Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Think about when Kevin McCarthy last night on Hannity was talking about the possibility of starting these impeachment inquiries about Joe Biden. Well, we were, I took away from that 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 was some time off because there needs to be more evidence found. The conversation with Devin Archer is going to be important. The Weiss, uh, the, the U.S. attorney's conversation, uh, the testimony before the committee is going to be important. That's not going to take place until September or maybe even October. But uh, clearly, uh, there, there, there's something sleazy here, and, and it has been sleazy for years. I mean, when... Carl Rove is in favor of an impeachment inquiry. Game on! Let's get it going. Speaker McCarthy with the firing gun last night. This after, of course, I mean, you understand why why he said this, right? You understand this is because, you know, I, I, I let him down the primrose path. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I take full responsibility, full responsibility for this one. Because we had this conversation on Fox, had this conversation there live on, on the TV and said it as clear as day. William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection brought up on the show the importance of of putting together a, a committee. The importance of putting together a committee to discuss impeachment. This was me. Well, first, this was uh, a state senator from New York, uh, David Carlucci, talking. But this was me on Fox just over the weekend. About It becomes just about partisanship. And I'm saying let's move beyond partisanship. Let's make sure that justice is, is followed and, every, and no one is above the law. But let's not have a, two, uh, a double standard. And, and that's the point. That's that exactly bringing. what we want to avoid, Senator. We want to avoid the double standard. And you bring up President Trump because you're obsessed, like far too many members of the political left. You have a guy who, if you or I committed that crime or if anybody in Midwest America committed that crime, it would be a felony. And for Hunter Biden, it's a misdemeanor. It's obscene. The attorney general got involved possibly in slow walking it. Then there's the entire conversation of whether or not bribes went to the president of the United States and things were set up while Joe Biden was vice president. Every rational person says this this gets an investigation. You can have primetime hearings about January 6th, which was a riot, not an insurrection. But this, the potentially biggest scandals, you heard Jonathan Turley discuss it in history, far outweighing Watergate, doesn't get an investigation as William Jacobson, law professor at Cornell and the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com stated, Congress needs to set up a committee to look into impeachment, to be able to actually engage the investigations to figure out what happened because Attorney General Merrick Garland clearly cannot be trusted. That was Sunday. Two days later, two days later, here we are. Kids, 
You're okay to call it the Biden crime family. You're okay to say that Hunter Biden is corrupt. You're okay to say that Joe Biden knew it. And I'm going to show you how it's done. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That's the number, 833-GOT-TONY. Argue with me. Feel free. I've come with receipts, but I come with receipts that only prove that the investigation is needed. Proof is a different conversation when we talk about impeachment. I have been opposed to the impeachment conversation. I have been opposed to it. I have done so publicly. I've done so publicly on Newsmax. Oh, I got yelled at like you wouldn't believe. Because I'm opposed to the idea of impeachment without having everybody on board on things that are nothing more than anger points as opposed to data points. So when Lauren Boebert, the representative from Colorado, says she wants to file articles of impeachment regarding Biden's failures at the border, it's not that I disagree that Joe Biden has failures at the border. I'll discuss the border coming up in a bit. It's that you don't have enough there to make anything happen. All you have is a bit of nuisance that might get you a couple of dollars in fundraising. And I don't engage impeachment so you can make some cash. I would say that to Representative Boebert directly. She's not wrong about Biden's failures on the border. She's wrong to think that the articles of impeachment would even get some level of traction amongst her own party. If only because the president is in charge of border policy. Now, that doesn't mean that Texas is wrong when they're putting out these water buoys and creating borders in the water and people angry with with uh, uh, Greg Abbott. They're, they're out of their heads. For what reason are you angry with Greg Abbott? He's trying to protect the people of Texas. He's right. You engage impeachment when you can get everybody on board, and when you've got the story. Now, the story may not be accurate like we saw with Russia, 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 and collusion, but what they had was the ability to put together the story. That comes from investigation. You saw how willing they were to engage investigations, how quick they were into investigations. They weren't going to stop doing investigations, which is exactly why an inquiry from Congress must happen, a, a committee on impeachment, because you can't trust a special counsel. You got to trust something from Merrick Garland? Merrick Garland is a part of the story. IRS whistleblowers say that the investigation into Hunter Biden and tax fraud was slow walked. Slow walked. And that the attorney general was involved. The attorney general stopped uh, certain parts of this investigation from taking place. How about David Weiss? This is, see, I'm less angry with this guy than other people. Maybe I don't understand something. Maybe they don't understand something. Weiss was the uh, attorney general, the, the U.S. attorney, I should say, in Delaware. And he had the opportunity to possibly engage charges against Hunter Biden. But he was not given the authority to bring the charges in other states. But Merrick Garland told Congress nobody stopped him. So who's lying?
So this is why they want to bring Weiss in front of the committee, uh, of the oversight committee, led by Representative James Comer, because they want to know who stopped you. They want to know why didn't you move forward? That's the question. Miranda Devine on Fox answering uh, this question. Miranda Devine has been doing a lot of the reporting uh, for the New York Post and discussing this this conversation regarding David Weiss. Uh, from David Weiss, from yes, the me, U.S. David Attorney Weiss, in Delaware. Yes. yes, all these names, Miranda. Yeah. You keep it all uh, straight for us. <laughs> yes, well, look, I, I think the main thing we really want to hear from David Weiss is why did he let Hunter Biden off the hook as the IRS investigators who were on that uh, criminal case for five years have alleged they have testified that uh, the DOJ slow-rolled and obstructed their investigation wouldn't allow them to get search warrants, for instance, of Hunter Biden's uh, locker or of Joe Biden, a a cabin on his property where uh, Hunter Biden was living. And um, David Weiss, uh, we were told by the Attorney General, had full authority, well, they they say uh, ultimate authority about where and when to bring charges. Um, But I think that, again, they're using lawyer speak because uh, it looks as if ultimate authority is not the same as complete or full authority, and David Weiss uh, has, what he has said about how much authority he had conflicts with what both the Attorney General say said and also what the IRS whistleblower said. That's why you needed the investigation. You need to know. Now, all of this sits as a bed to this very clear, very obvious without question conversation that the Biden crime family is stupid real. Holy cow. By the way, one of the great questions out there, I'm sorry, I'm not the guy who asked this question. It's just so good. What the hell is the the Biden business? What is the Biden family business? The Biden family business is very obviously selling access. The photo is of Hunter Biden in his dad's Corvette. I'm assuming he moved the classified documents out of the way to get to it and then maybe shared it with some friends. But we don't know because the Secret Service doesn't know who was visiting Joe Biden at the home in Rehoboth Beach. The hell they don't. They won't share it with us. We didn't keep logs. The hell you didn't. You know where the president is every second of the day. You didn't create logs. Just stop talking. You sound silly. There's a picture. Click. There's a picture. Honestly, I need a little nickelback, uh, uh, AJ. Look at this photograph. Or you, you, could use, you could take another band. Um, who am I to say I need a little nickelback? I think I'm the only person in the history of time who's ever said that. Anytime we mention the picture, I need, I, need, I need a little something. You figure it out, AJ. AJ's running the board today. The picture is of Hunter Biden in, in, in the Corvette. On the day that the text message was sent to Henry Zhao of this Chinese conglomerate where Hunter Biden said, I'm sitting here with my father. 
I demand an answer between the man sitting next to me and my ability to hold a grudge, you will regret not listening to to what I say. I demand a phone call. My father is sitting next to me. Now, as you know, and I know, and everybody knows, Joe Biden has been lying for years about the idea that he never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Of course, he talked to his son about his overseas business dealings. It doesn't matter if he yells, screams, gets angry. People who have uh, some mental slowdown issues often get angry when they don't know how to answer a question. Oh, too soon? No? Yes? All right. I'm not a doctor. I won't diagnose. I'll just note that that's something that gets said amongst people who have family members who have those kinds of mental slowdowns. He screams, how dare you? He gets angry with reporters for asking the question. I've never talked to my son about his overseas business dealings. And Corinne Jean-Pierre got asked the question again, and she's exasperated. Um, uh, Chairman James Comer today says that the oversight committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son Hunter Biden many times curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. Whoa, 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 That wasn't... What, what the... What the hell was that? Did you not hear that answer? So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I just don't. We didn't say that. He didn't. Wait a second. The answer from Joe Biden and the Biden team has always been that Joe Biden never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Now the answer is Joe Biden's never been in business with his son. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's a different answer. And that different answer is enough for me. Impeachment inquiry. Let's get to the bottom of this. And let's make sure we understand how important it is that photo that shows Hunter Biden in the Corvette. Right? That picture. I guess. Is that a good sound effect? No. No, I, I need a sound effect. AJ, make it happen. My God, what are you waiting for? There you go. You know, there it is. You might want to get that on a little loop. Send it to me. I'll use it each time. <laughs> the show is stupid sometimes. But that picture is very important. That picture of Hunter Biden in the Corvette. Well... His father was at the house, right? The picture of Hunter in the Corvette at the house, near the house, would mean that he could have been at the house when he sent the text via WhatsApp to uh, uh, this uh, Chinese business guy threatening him. So maybe Joe Biden was sitting there. So now I've got a piece of evidence 
that could connect Joe Biden not to criminality, but to a location where a conversation was taking place about Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings, to which Joe Biden has told us all he's never talked to his son about his overseas business dealings. Except I now have Corinne Jean-Pierre saying that he's never been in business with his son. So now he has been around and has had conversations with his son about his overseas business dealings? Impeachment inquiry. And how about Devin Archer? Devin Archer, uh, former business partner, friend of Hunter Biden, who says that Joe Biden was in the room or on the phone at least a dozen times, if not more, for these kinds of conversations. Sometimes he was on speakerphone. He didn't even know it. His son just put him on speakerphone. Can we be clear just about one thing? Hunter Biden's a peach. Hunter Biden, what a... And when I say peach, I mean low life. My God. The Democrats can scream all they want. Who cares? Biden crime family, accurate. Impeachment inquiry, necessary. Bring it on. I'm Tony Katz. and fight we should stand with them so senator standing with them with the ukrainians today in ukraine the skies are quiet uh odessa is being pounded uh the the classic historical city along with much of ukraine has been destroyed by russia where are the f-16s well, they, the Ukrainian pilots do need to be trained, um, and this is part of what we've done all along, which is provided the uh, armaments and the equipment and the training as they have become, as they need it. Um, I asked for M- the F-16s early on. I supported that. I supported sending the uh, Abrams tank uh, as well, but at the appropriate time, uh, which is, this is also why I supported President Biden's uh, use of cluster munitions after Russia has been bombarding Ukraine with cluster mission munitions of their own all this time. Time. Um, you know, we're going to get those F-16s there. They're going to come from allied nations or where they have older generation F-16s. Um, and we are in the process of training Ukrainian pilots right now. That's Senator Tammy Duckworth. Um, you can train them. You're going to have American soldiers on the ground in Ukraine to train them, right? You're going to train them in Poland? You're training them here in the U.S. It's all going to take place in Oklahoma. As Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, points out on this show often, without air, you can't do anything. And a great example of that is watching uh, the Afghan military fall to the Taliban in seven and a half seconds. We spent all those years training them, but we didn't give them the air support that we trained them for. What were they supposed to do? An embarrassment on our part for not training them the way they needed to fight, which would be cavalry or, you know, those kinds of things, not in an air support war. They don't have the air support in Ukraine. Now we're going to send the F-16s, these older F-16s, which can't actually do the job that they may need done. And now we're going to train them. Is this getting us further involved? This has always been my fear. I've had a number of people who I know, like, and trust tell me no. 
This, this, this can be done without getting troops on the ground involved. What makes us think that the F-16s are going to solve the problem? What makes anybody think that the F-16s are going to solve the problem? I don't believe that to be the case. And Senator Duckworth may believe it, but she may be fooling herself. This is Tony Katz today. A framing way of looking at the summer that has struck me is people saying it's a hot summer and it's likely to be the coolest summer that we experience going forward. What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, it means that's the the trajectory we're on right now. Uh, As we continue to burn fossil fuels, put carbon pollution into the atmosphere, we're warming the planet. We're getting a little bit of an extra kick this year from an El Nino event. It's a natural warming in the Pacific Ocean that actually warms up the whole planet a little bit. So you can think of that as a little extra octane, uh, you know, added to the fuel of human-caused warming. And that's part of why we're seeing such extreme temperatures But a big part of it is the fact that the planet is warming and it will continue to warm until we stop dumping carbon pollution into the atmosphere. That's Michael Mann. Michael Mann is famous for for providing that hockey stick graph you saw from Al Gore in that movie, An Inconvenient Truth. The problem is that was an inconvenient graph because it wasn't accurate. Michael Mann got so mad at people who got mad at him for noting that that graph wasn't accurate He sued everybody under the sun. And now here he is on CBS this morning getting rehabilitated because across the United States and, yes, in parts of Europe and others, it's hot in July. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Let me bring in Anthony Watts, senior fellow at the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. You can actually catch his latest podcast, Climate Change Roundtable, number 72, Heat Waves, Fires, and Climate. Oh, my, the madness continues. And, you know, when you when you put out a, a statement like that or, or a headline like that, uh, Anthony, and you've got a long history uh, co-authoring peer-reviewed papers on climate uh, issues uh, and a series of, of publications, people think that you're downplaying the idea that this is a man-made uh, global warming. Before we get to Michael Mann's commentaries, talk to me about uh, the, the weather that we're seeing. Talk to me about the heat uh, that we're seeing. Is this something that's really out of the blue and really different from other heat waves experienced in the United States or around the globe? No, it's not. In fact, in 1936, the United States experienced its worst heat wave ever. And this is still on the record books. And it's, it's verified by the Weather Service and NOAA and EPA and everybody. Bottom line is 5,000 people died during the great heat wave of 1936. Today we have a heat wave, and we're not getting thousands of people dying. We're adapting it you know, much better today. Uh, and so, you know, this, this screeching that's going on in the media about it, it's horrible, it's unprecedented, it's just simply hype. Now, before let, let's just make sure we're always on on the same page. We have much better technology today. We certainly have air conditioning today. We can handle heat better. Temperature to temperature, was it hotter in 1936? It was uh, sustained a longer period of time in 1936. Hotter temperatures in total throughout the United States were greater and more widespread. And so, you know, it's it just simply they're trying to garner your 
support for their cause. I mean, this is all about a cause. Global warming, now climate change, is a cause. And the cause is a socialist agenda for the most part. They want to control your life. They want to control your gas stove, their, your barbecue, what kind of car you drive, uh, you know, that sort of thing. It's all about control. And if they can make you fearful, they can control you. Now, one of the things that you discuss over there at heartland.org uh, is you don't make the argument that there aren't changes that take place to climate. Your argument, your sustained argument over time is that it's not a crisis and the predictions and the pronouncements as you uh, you write about it, as it's written about you at Heartland, are oversold. So as you would, how would you define your, your theories? Well, you're right. It, it is being oversold. Like I just said, it's about pushing an agenda. And so, uh, you know, there was uh, one climate scientist now deceased uh, who said that we need to create these scary scenarios in order to motivate people. I mean, he actually went on record. Stephen Schneider was the climate scientist. He went on record saying that we have to create these scary scenarios to motivate people to change. And, and basically, that's what's going on here. Yes, it's gotten warmer. Yes, we've had some some heat records this summer, but it's not unprecedented and it's not a crisis. We're managing it. Thousands of people are not dying because of it. And I will point out that climate is something that happens over a minimum of a 30-year period. Weather events are not climate. And all of these heat waves are short-term weather events. They'll go away in a day or two or maybe a week. They're not something that is sustained like climate is. And there was one other thing going on. We have the El Nino going on in the Pacific right now. That's a natural event that's been going on for millennia, well before climate change became a glimmer in the eye of science and socialism. And so as a result, we have a warmer planet because of El Nino. The planet naturally warms. We also have something that happened last year. The Hunga Tonga volcano erupted in the tropics. It spewed something like 50 billion tons of water into the atmosphere. And surprisingly, most people don't know this, but water vapor is the most important and the most powerful greenhouse gas. And you can prove this to yourself. Drive to Florida and experience the humidity. Then drive to Arizona and experience the dryness. And the difference is, is that in Arizona, the temperature will plummet in the desert to down like 40 degrees at night, even though it might be above 100 during the day. Whereas in Florida, the temperature will hardly change due to the humidity and the atmosphere retaining heat. Talking to Anthony Watts, Senior Fellow at the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. Let me go back uh, to this clip from Michael Mann on CBS uh, this morning. Just a little bit more of what he said about uh, the weather as he's describing it, climate. If you turn on your, your television set, read the, the headlines, we're seeing unprecedented floods and heat waves and wildfires that, um, you know, are doing real damage now. So dangerous climate change has arrived. And here's the reason it's not a new normal. New normal makes it sound like we've arrived in a new situation. We just have to figure right, out. This should how have to, happened anyway. Yeah, we just. Yeah, exactly. We can adapt to it, figure out what to do. But it continues to get it's a moving baseline. It will continue to get warmer and we'll continue to see more extreme weather events if we continue to burn fossil fuels and and pollute the atmosphere with carbon his words it's unprecedented heat flooding and wildfires you're already saying that's not true is michael mann gaslighting here 
Yes, he's absolutely gaslighting. I would call it torchlighting myself because he's just really flaming on this stuff. But here's the thing. The number of wildfires in the United States, for example, was much more than it is in the current scenario. We have data that goes back into the late 20s that shows that wildfire was much greater. But what happened about two years ago, since it was starting being used as an argument about, you know, wildfires were greater in the past and therefore climate change is not fueling wildfires in the, in the present, it was removed. The National Interagency Fire Center, NIFC, actually removed the data and set it so that only data from 1983 onward is displayed. They did that on purpose and they just basically hit it. Then there's the idea that, you know, we're having record temperatures. Well, I talked about 1936 being hotter and huge heat waves. Severe weather events are not getting worse. If you look at the data, instead of listening to these torchlighters, you will find that the number of tornadoes in the United States is actually declining and has been for several years. The number of hurricanes has not changed. We haven't seen fantastic, massive hurricane outbreaks. In fact, we experienced a hurricane drought from about 2005 on uh, for almost 10 years. And it didn't, we had no major hurricane making landfall on the United States. And we haven't seen any of these increases in severe weather that they claim. And this is all predicated on models. You know, the models say the future is going to be terrible. Well, the bottom line is, is that these models do not accurately predict the future. And one of the worst models out there that they use, a favorite of Dr. Michael Mann's, the, he's called RCP 8.5. Well, two years ago, science said, nope, we can't use that anymore because there's not enough fossil fuel left on the planet to be able to reach that scenario. So therefore, it's implausible and impossible. So let's not use it anymore. And yet people like Mann and the media still use it to push these scary scenarios. Let's talk a little bit about Michael Mann, which is a dangerous thing to do when you're in my business because this is a guy who is lawsuit happy even casual conversation honest conversation where there is no disparaging but rather a look at what has been said and what is real can lead to lawsuits but in order to have an honest conversation one must actually have it is michael mann considered a serious voice still in this world or has his theories going back to that hockey stick graph been debunked enough that he is not taken seriously by the people who are serious the real climate scientists out there the ones that are serious and study they distance themselves from him and there's a book that was done by mark stein uh, you know the commentator used to be on rush limbaugh uh, about michael mann and he provided quotes from Michael Mann's colleagues. And it got and Mark Stein sued into all sorts of you don't believe it. I know exact. I, I don't know Mark personally, but I know exactly what you're referring to. Keep going. Yeah. And Mann has sued literally anyone who said anything that, uh, you know, he finds offensive. And, and Michael Mann is the greatest blocker of people on Twitter. He's got thousands of people blocked, even people that just ask innocuous questions that he doesn't like. His ego, in my opinion, is so large, it's a wonder he can get through most doorways. Let, 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 me, let me move back to something that you discussed on your podcast, the Climate Change Roundtable, which you can get at heartland.org. Heat waves, fires, and climate, oh my, the madness con continues. One of the questions that you, you state here is that environmentalists say that there is a serious threat 
to human health from particulate matter in the air, usually 2.5 parts per million. But is it really as big an issue as they claim? Certainly with these uh, Canadian wildfires, us here in central Indiana have felt it. I've been in D.C. and felt it. I have been in upstate New York and felt it. I've been in Canada, not felt it, which is super strange. Um, Are we at a place when we talk about some of these things or do we have uh, an issue with, with air quality, whether it be from these wildfires or from this heat in general? Well, let me give you a little bit of uh, correction. 2.5 stands for PM 2.5. It's not 2.5 parts per million. It's the diameter of these little particulate things in the atmosphere, 2.5 microns. So tiny little little particles. Secondly, there have been many periods in the past where we have seen, uh, there was a thing that happened in New England, uh, New England's dark day, where there was, this was like 200 years ago, where there was so much smoke in the atmosphere that, you know, they had to light candles at noon. And so these kinds of things have happened before. And yes, we do have pollution that happens from wildfires, but that's happened forever. It's not something new. And we also have such progress on pollution, real pollution. For example, look at Los Angeles, the pictures of Los Angeles during its heyday of smog. Go back and watch an old episode of Chips, you know, where Ponch and John are riding their motorcycles. Look like they're driving around in a fog. And Indianapolis had the same kind of thing. The bottom line is, is that we've cleaned up our atmosphere and our waters and our lakes and streams tremendously tremendously. We've had great progress. And yet, if you were to listen to the folks today who talk about pollution, they would give you the idea that it's worse than ever. But the bottom line is it's not. We've made great progress. But as for the these these wildfires, and, and you're talking about the microns, right? PM 2.5, meaning the size of the particulates. And thank you for the correction there. Um, these, these wildfires uh, making air an issue as you see it? Well, they do produce these particles, yes, but they always have. It's nothing new. And, yes, these particles do stick around for a little while, but they eventually fall out of the atmosphere as dust, and when it rains, they get washed out of the atmosphere. The atmosphere naturally cleanses itself. The real issue with PM 2.5 is that now the climate alarmists and the, the eco-whalers are out there saying, oh, it's happening inside your home now. Your gas stove is making, you know, 2.5 particle emissions, and therefore you have to get rid of your gas stove and go to electric, and therefore, you know, so forth and so on. They're using this as just another argument to control your life. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, unless you're burning wood inside your house to cook with, like some people do in India, or dung like they do in Bangladesh, you're not going to really suffer from 2.5 particulate matter. It's just simply overblown and now we see it in in hot water heaters we're, we're adding regulations in in the furnaces of course the, the the stoves um and as you describe it all for all for narrative all for an ideology but not for reality no it's not and it's all about control here's the thing if you can control energy you can control everything and that's what's really going on here I mean, imagine, for example, you know, all the people that are screaming about, we have to stop using fossil fuels, no more oil, no more coal. What if the the fuel companies one day decided, you know what, we've had enough of this rhetoric and abuse, we're going to shut off the tap. Can you imagine what would happen to society in the space of a couple of days? There would be absolute madness and chaos. And so 
the bottom line is, is that these, these addicts that they're pushing on us are not reachable. We cannot replace oil and natural gas with solar and wind. You know, why are we pushing solar and wind, which are re- reliant on the vagaries of weather and sunlight over something that's reliable that works 24-7, 365? Again, it's about control. Anthony Watts, you can find his work at heartland.org, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, heartland.org, senior fellow at the Heartland Institute. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There is more to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Why would they want to stop this? It's not because they're violating some obscure law by putting maritime buoys in the river. It's because their approach is not for America. It's not an America first approach. They don't care about American communities along that border. It seems like their first order of business is is to craft policy that benefit illegal aliens at the end of the day. And it's just it's kind of like the wrong approach. It is not kind of like the wrong approach. Chad Wolf, uh, former uh, director of Homeland Security, uh, or who was the acting director. It's the wrong approach. You've got the Biden administration suing Governor Greg Abbott of Texas because he's putting these buoys in the, in the water in the Rio Grande there to try and stop people from crossing. Well, what's he supposed to do? Just take it? It's a weird argument. It's a weird, weird argument if you think the whole job of Texas is just to take any abuse that comes your way. That is a very strange position. And I think that the Biden administration should be thankful uh, that Texas is working better to try and stop illegal immigration, go through the legal points of entry. That should be the argument. Suing Texas is to say that Texas should take it and that the policy of the U.S. government under Joe Biden is not to stop illegal immigration. That's the statement that he's making. He may not want you to know that, but that's what the man is saying for sure. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Today.